Did you bring your own guns to the photo shoot? Those are your guns. Everything. The gats in my promo shots ain't props. You know, I mean, I'm saying it in the records, you know, like, where the fuck am I going to get a prop gun from? <laughs> what, you know niggas that got prop guns? <laughs> <laughs> where are we going to get prop money? That means you yeah, would have to tell not. the video people to bring fake guns mm-hmm. and bring fake money. That would be so embarrassing to me that I'm going to shoot a video and ask you to bring fake money. Could you guys bring some guns for us? You know, right. like I didn't even know gangster rappers had stylists. I'm like, right. do you need a stylist to put on some khakis, my nigga? Like, really? This is Nas. You're now listening to The Bridge, 50 Years of Hip Hop. This is your co-host, Minya O, a.k.a. Miss Info. From the very beginning, Ice-T established himself as the ultimate OG. It's no wonder that many rappers have sought his advice behind the scenes, including Nas. He shares his story of showing up at Ice's office back in the day just to soak up some of that patented Ice-T wisdom. And speaking of stories, Ice regaled us with so many great ones, from the making of that iconic gang culture song, Colors, to how he himself survived cancel culture. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Ice-T is one of the first artists to put West Coast hip-hop on the map, and his street-savvy rhymes on top of hard-hitting beats influenced the gangster rap artists who came after him. Ice made sure to put you up on game every time he spoke or wrote a rap, and like a real player and hustler, he's figured out how to excel in whatever he does, whether it's rocking out with his thrash metal band Body Count or acting in a long-running television series, Law & Order, SVU. He's faced controversy, but through it all, Ice-T remains one of the realest in the game. Well, let me ask you, so you came from New Jersey and then went to L.A. And was there a time where you were sort of like the New Yorker in L.A.? You see, West Coast hip hop really started with techno music, with people like Egyptian Lover and yeah. things like that. I was one of the first people to really try to rap like New York rappers, more in syncopation, not more techno style. And of course, we had every rap tape from New York because if you were a fan of hip hop, you had to be a fan of New York because that's where breakdance and graffiti, this is where the culture comes from. So everybody back to the Flash tapes, to Cold Crush, to everybody. And as the rappers started to come out, we were paying attention. You know, that's basic hip hop. You had to. 
You know, you had to figure out what New York was wearing. When New York had the fat belt buckles, we replicated it. But you got to remember, like, in L.A., there were New Yorkers. Mm -hmm. Everybody that doesn't live in New York that lives somewhere else is named New York. Like, you go to Cincinnati, there's a cat named New York. (laughs) (laughs) And and his job is to let us know what's happening in New York. So when Nas came out, everybody paid attention because Nas can rap. Thank you, sir. Nas can rap. Rap is a vocal delivery. So there's a lot of different ways you could become popular. You could have wordplay. You can have style. I was always about content. You know, whether my flow was as acrobatic as some of the other rappers, I would try to beat you up with content Mm. to where after I rap, you were like, word, that made a lot of sense. So that was, whoa, whoa, you know that. So there's a lot of ways to become a popular rapper. Look at Too Short, who doesn't really have the most complicated style, but he beats you up with content to where you like, yo, that shit was dope. You know what I'm saying? Dope. And when I heard people like Twister, I thought I was going to have to stop rapping. Because I'm like, I, I can't rap like that nigga. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. like, there's no way. There's no way. But then as after a while, you realize you don't necessarily have to because there's different lanes of MC. And it's a funny story. Russell Simmons actually gave me my image. Because like I'm saying, we're emulating New York. Yeah. We, you want to be a rapper, you got to put on a costume. You know, right. Kumo D, everybody. Every, right. That's how, right, 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 right. Cause, cause, Rock star look. Well, you're an entertainer. Yeah. Right. Every entertainer, even Sammy Davis, puts his jewels on. You know, it's Run DMC kind of gave the look of just normal streetwear. So I was at a club and Russell was there and I was just in the audience and they called, your ice tea's in here. And I, I went up on stage and that night I had on like a leather coat, just regular K-Swiss, you know, Stila. And I performed and Russell, that's your look. I said, fuck all this rap shit. Hmm. Yeah. You the L.A. player. Dress like L.A. niggas do. Wow. You know, that's unique. New York ain't seen niggas with perms. Like, dude, that's you. Right. Do that. And I started to just look different. Were you sort of an alien until you became fully, like, at what point do you know, like, no, I'm now Not really, because I was a kid. My mother died when I was in the third grade. Mm. My father died when I was in the seventh grade. So I was moved from New Jersey. I was born in Newark. I was raised in Summit, New Jersey, which is an upper middle class area of New Jersey. There was one street with black people on it, William Street. (laughs) I lived on that. But I was a kid. I wasn't doing nothing. I wasn't iced tea yet. I was just a kid. And then when my parents passed, I was shipped to L.A. to live with my aunt. I didn't like L.A. I say that in one of my songs. I didn't like L.A. that much. I didn't have no friends. And, um... I lived in View Park, another upper middle class part of L.A., with my aunt, who was a social worker. And I got bused to Palms Junior High School, which is a white school in Culver City. Still, L.A. hadn't hit me yet. By the time I got to high school, I decided I wanted to go to Crenshaw, which is in walking distance from where I live. And that was Different world. The gangs. You know, kids from Crenshaw went to Fauche, Horace Mann, Bethune, and they was already gangbanging. So here I come. Walking into this school, no brothers, no sisters. I had to adapt very quickly to what was going on. It wasn't necessary at that point in any benefit for me to say I was from the East Coast. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you here, you in L.A. Now, I'd already been there for three years. So there was no culture shock. Just like any other kid, when you move them, they didn't have friends and you have to adapt. But then at a certain point from whether it was long after Russell told you, kind of like gave you a vision. You really dove into and came to represent L.A. 
culture, L.A. gang culture, what was going on in the streets, and really in a way that was the most authentic and everybody sort of woke up and was like, oh, this is what's going on, whether it was six in the morning, well, you power. Know what, you know what happened was trying to survive, you know, out of high school, I just had to figure it out. I never jumped into any gang because once you become part of a gang, you're the enemy the rest of the city. So I was like, that's not that smart. Plus, I wasn't truly from a neighborhood. To be in a gang, you got to be from a neighborhood, you know. So rolling 60s is where Crenshaw is. So all my friends were 60s. So I found out if I could get in touch with the shot callers and be cool, I didn't have to actually jump into a gang. If you jump into a gang, then you got to put in work. You got to follow the gang constitution. I'm what's called a gang affiliate. I'm known in these different sets. As I got out of high school, I started to gravitate toward the players, the dice shooters, the cats wearing tailors, the cats that was more fly, and getting money, because I needed to get money. I didn't have no time just to gangbang. And players kind of have diplomatic immunity because you're not held to gang rules. You know, oh, oh, Nas, you from over there? Yeah, but he a player, okay? That's cool. Plus, Nas might be able to get us some clothes, or he might have access to weapons. And he's a player. You could get caught up, but I was able to navigate that. See, another thing people don't know, I went to the military. So I had an apartment when I was 17, and um, I got my girlfriend pregnant. She was in the 10th grade. I was a 12th grader. So now I'm on the streets. I'm doing petty crimes. I'm not really going to get it. And I got a moment of responsibility, and I said, I'll go into the military to try to just do something. I'm about to have a baby. Hmm. Did four years in that. And when I came home, that's when I started getting into more heavier crimes. I didn't start rapping until I was 27. So, wow. Yeah. So I had a real history of being active. On the sideline, I'm making rhymes for the homies, which is more like crime, criminal rhyme. Mm-hmm. Rappers are cheerleaders for their neighborhood. That's what a rapper starts out being, right? right? You saying your homies' names. You, yeah. That's how you start. And you take your neighborhood, then you take your school, then you take your block, then you take your city. So I had a friend and he was like, say that shit you be saying. Say them other rhymes. And that's where six in the morning came from. And I was like, that's a B-side motherfucker. Because I thought it was too criminal. Because hmm. you got to understand, entertainment didn't have a criminal element. It was the Gap Band. It was hip-hop. It was I brought all that negative shit in. All right, God strike me dead. <laughs> Thank God you Crime did. Crime pays. Yeah, but, well, really, Schoolie D turned me out. Because I'm writing regular raps. You know, I knew how to write gangbanger rhymes. You ever heard one of my gangbanger rhymes? I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah. Strolling through the city in the yep. middle of the night, niggas on my left, niggas on my right, yelling, cut, 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 ripped. Every nigga I see, if you bad enough, come fuck with me. I seen another nigga, I say, Crip again. He say, fuck a Crip, nigga, this is Brim. So we pulled out the Roscoe. Roscoe said, crack. I look again, nigga was shooting back. So we fell to the ground, aimed for his head. One more shot, nigga was dead. Walked over to him, took his gun, spit in his face, and began to run. So if you see another nigga laying dead in the street in a puddle of blood from his head to his feet, hope it's time all you niggas get hip. This fucker brim, nigga, this west side. Come real. Now. What year is this? 1976. Wow. Wow. It's pre-rap. This is pre-rap. Players have been rhyming since, you know, toasting is part of our culture. Yep. So I knew how to do that kind of rhyme. So now I'm going to try to do it to the beat which is totally different. 
right? Now you got to syncopate it. People still don't think I can do it to the beat. <laughs> so here comes six in the morning. Now I'm in the club and PSK came on. It was the most dusted track I'd ever heard in my life. And Schoolie says, PSK, we making that green. Now at the time, everybody's yelling on records. Run is yelling, LL's yelling. This nigga said, Put my pistol up against his head. Said, suck ass, nigga. I should shoot you dead. I was like, who is this nigga? Like, how can he? I said, that's gangster. Whoever that is, is gangster. So I did my research. I'm like, he's rapping Parkside Killers. PSK stands for Parkside Killers. He's rapping about gangsters. And that's what six in the morning. Six in the morning, police at my door. Fresh to to squeak across. It's, it's, it's PSK. Mm. I took the cadence. And, um... Next thing you know, Cube comes. Boys in the hood are always hard. You know, we were all rhyming that same Schoolie D came. So hats off to Schoolie D. People say, why is you the godfather? No, Schoolie D triggered it all. The original but, gangster rapper. True. Yeah. But Schoolie was vague. You know, one by one, I'm knocking you out. We put, you know, I had an F-16. I just made it more graphic and more visual. And it hit. People like this shit. And for me, six in the morning was like Nas. It was like, it's like if you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day and I came over and said, you should sell this shit. You like this shit? Yeah, this. I was like, they like this shit? Oh, nigga, I'm in business. Let's go. You know, (laughs) because I'm like, I could tell this criminal shit all day long, but I didn't know there was a market for it. I really didn't know people would listen to crime-based rhyme. That was the beginning of the iced tea that everybody's familiar with. Ice, I've been on you since I don't know how far back. When your book came out, I was one of the first people to buy it and read it cover to cover. Love it. I saw you in Breaking, and this was a time when hip-hop was just trying to get into movies. You know what I mean? Like, barely one of the people wanted to listen to it on daytime radio. Barely had probably any MTV footage, if any. So movies at this time was just so next level. And here's this rapper in this movie. Anybody I saw in any movie, hip-hop movie, whether it's Wild Style, Beat Street, or Breaking, one and two, you look at everybody. You mm. say, who's this guy? You see Turbo, Ozone, mm. and I forgot the other brother's name, the Latina brother. He pop locks. Poppin' Taco. Poppin' Taco. <laughs> Shout oh out to God. him. And then Ice-T. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, how did these guys get in the movie? How did you get that well, role? What happened was, I had put out a record in 1982 called The Coldest Rap. It was like my first rap record. I was in a beauty parlor rapping. And some guys walked in and said, hey, you want to make a record? And uh, I went to the studio. They had a track with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis on it that produced it. They pulled the female singers, and I just rapped everything I had in my head. Every kid on the street right now got walking around raps. They can just rap off the top because they haven't made records yet. So I was that kid. I had a bunch of rhymes, you know, and I made that record. There was a club in L.A. called The Radio, and it was the only hip-hop club. And it was run by uh, two white cats, K.K. and Alex Jordanoff, who, by way of New York, brought hip-hop to L.A. Hmm. This club was like a a white, trendy club. Madonna was there, uh, Adam Ant, people like that. They also brought Cold Crush Brothers out there, Soul Sonic Force, Grand Mixer DST. That's where I met Africa Islam. So they called me to perform there. And I kind of became the stage rapper host of this club, okay? The people from the movies walked in there 
and said, we're going to make a movie. Y'all will be the breakers, which was Boogaloo Shrimp. That's who was, those were the hangout. You going to be the rapper. And they made a movie based around this club. Nas, in the movie, I'm called Featured Rap Talker. <laughs> they didn't even know what a rapper was. It was, right. was Ice-T, it's Featured Rap Talker. And like Nas said, I think I might have been the second, after Wild Style, the second movie image of a rapper ever. Right. You know? Wow. And that led to me making a song called Reckless for the soundtrack. And at that time, I still wasn't taking it serious because this is early hip hop. No one had ever even bought a car off a of rap yet. So the streets are pulling at you. Your homies is like, nigga, you better come get some money, man. Right. What are you rapping that? It's a hobby. Rapping's goofy. Like they was like, that's silly to hustlers. Hustlers is out getting money. Like, so right. it seemed goofy to them. My friends, then I told them, well, that club got white girls. And so then the niggas start showing up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Gangsters love white girls. They showed up. You know what I'm saying? And we would show up in there, but we already had jewelry and, you know, some of the street trophies, you know. And uh, people believe we were bigger than we were. You know, mm. I had, I, And that's where it came from. But that's how I got in that movie. But if you notice in the movie, I tried to dress like Melly Mel in them. I mean, that's, to me, what a rapper looked like. Then here comes Colors. I remember... The news had your lyrics up there. It was scared America. The gangs in L.A. would never die. They would just multiply. It's the truth. And the color story, I was signed to Warner Brothers at the time. By now, I'm on Warner. Right. I'm on Sire. And uh, they asked to use a song. I have a song called Squeeze the Trigger. Rampage on stage, McCruz in the rage. Search the posse, found the Uzi, but missed the 12 gauge. Maniac, I'm a Ron Brainiac, living on the edge of a razor. Remember that. So they said they want to use that in the movie. I knew at the time, Nas, that if they want to use your record in a movie, you can ask to see the movie on some old artist shit. Let right. me see the movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, there was no way I wasn't going to let them put my, but I played my card. They said, oh, oh, we'll have a screening for you. So I watched the movie. So me and Africa Islam went in there and then it was over. I said, y'all got a title song? They said, yeah, Rick James did it. That shit was whack. Rest in peace, Rick. <laughs> but that shit was called Everywhere I Go. It was awful colors. I was like, nah. <laughs> so at the time, I was banging King Sun's record, Mythological. Ooh. When I get ill, it's a reason, because it's duck season, hunter of the fronter. Wow. I am a nightmare walking, oh psychopath wow. talking. See, I I'm see jacking it. cadences, all right? Now, <laughs> rappers, rappers are all influenced by other people, and I always felt like as long as you give, let the people know, it's just right. you're inspired, right? That's so dope. But that was in my brain, and mm -hmm. that's the cadence of the intro to Colors. And mythological, mythological, that was my joint. Yeah. King's son. King's yeah. son, the God. So Peace, peace. Peace. To me, King's son and Just Ice were the two biggest rappers oh, yeah, I've ever Ice. seen. Like, they, they were like, okay. King's son was like his own rapper, manager, and security. Like, <laughs> yes. He was a giant. Yeah, he's a giant. And Just Ice too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Huge presence. Yeah, yeah big dudes. So anyway, I go in the studio with Iz and we make the song. I rap from the perspective of a gang member. That's another thing. You know how rappers have styles. You've done records where you became a gun. And you became, yeah. I did that. Like, I became a gang member. Like, in one of my records, Power, I say, 
I'm living large as possible. Posse's unstoppable. Style, topical. Vividly optical. Listen, you'll see him. Sometimes I'll be him, right? So this time I was going to be him. I was going to be the gangbanger. And growing up in the gang culture, I understand gangbanging. Mm-hmm. For real, you know. It's like you don't have to be a drug dealer to understand drug dealer. You just need to be around enough drug dealers. Right, right, so right. I was like, okay, I'm going to be this gangster. And I, I took you through the mental state of a gangbanger. The only thing I didn't like about Colors is Warner made me put a disclaimer in the record. So when we did the video, I had to go, don't join again. Because yeah. they said the so record. Yeah. yeah, they said it sounded like it was pro gang. Right, yeah. right, right. You know, because gangs LA, my color is death. Though we all want peace, but our war won't end till all wars cease. Meaning, don't try to make our war any different than any, any war. It's a war. Right. You know, it'll win when, when every war ends, which means possibly never. Right. When you saw the movie, especially in this private screener, did you feel like, oh, this is going to change everything? Because it really did in a lot of ways. The song more than the movie. The song movie. more than the movie. Yeah. But it doesn't matter if there's a disclaimer because people see it, see the realness of it, feel it. And some want to emulate that. Well, honestly, the, the movie's kind of off point. From the L.A. side, I thought the movie was kind of like unreal because the essays don't fight the blacks. See, if that war ever popped off in L.A., that place would be decimated. So in this movie, it's black gangs fighting mm-hmm. Mexican gangs, which never happens. Unrealistic, yeah. But I, was, I had to get above that. Then also you got the gangbangers and you got the crypt module and the blood module right next to each other. That doesn't happen in the county. And they're all in their outfits. That doesn't happen. You know, by the time you end the different, you know, 3,800, 4,800, you're now out of your clothes. But it's a movie. Yeah. So, right. you know, we could pick apart movies. If, oh, if you, yeah, you'd be like, nah, come on. Nah, nah, nah. So um, I got beyond that. And I said, okay. Now, here's an interesting point. They didn't want to make colors in L.A. because they didn't think there were gangs in L.A. They, oh, wanted, wow. they wanted to make it in Chicago. That year, 370 kids died. And it wasn't our news cycle, the L.A. gangs. It was, yeah. It's like ghetto murders that happened. We don't talk about Nameless, it. faceless. So a little white girl got killed in Westwood, and all of a sudden gangs were a problem in L.A. So Dennis Hopper, the director, they told him they got gangs in L.A., and then they shot the movie. But like Nas said, my song was so good, people think I'm in that movie. People are like, yo, well, I liked you in colors. I'm like, I wasn't, even in, I wasn't even in the movie. Y'all bugging, right? But it was, it still today is my biggest song. I close my shows with it. Wow. Wow. That's fire, man. Yeah. I do my whole concert and everything's over. Then when that, they, oh wow. shit, here we go. See my homeboys cooling way, way out. Told them about my morning cold bugs them out. Shot a little dice till my knees got sore Kicked around some stories about the night before Posse to the corner where the fly girls chill This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity 
on your real life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Power came out. I got it. Had to sneak by that one. It was a beautiful cover. Beautiful <laughs> message of power, of black power, from a street perspective. A man after his mm-hmm. in America. And the joints on it was fire. Well, you, you know, power cover, you know Glenn Friedman, right? Nah, I'm yes. not sure. Who's that? Glenny Inc- Friedman. Incredible that? photographer. Okay. He shot L. He shot Public Enemy. Okay, okay, okay. Glenny F. And Is he from L.A.? By way of New York. He's back and forth. Okay. Jewish cat. But he, he shot right. most of the BC Boys stuff, most of the Run DMC stuff. Classic. And one of my things was by having him shoot my covers, they looked on the quality of a New York rapper. Mm. You know what I'm saying? If you look at a Run DMC cover, then you see my cover. It's like, it wasn't a pen and pixel picture you put together. It was that quality. And he gave me that. So we go to shoot Power. He says, what are you going to shoot? Now, another thing I brought into the game was the girls in the cars. You know, the, the swimsuit girl on the car, that's very L.A. That's L.A. car show shit. Mm-hmm. Right. You got your low rider, there's a girl in a bikini standing next to it. Now, New York cats was like, oh, my God, she ain't got no clothes on. That's your girl? <laughs> I'm like, look, this is West Coast shit. You know what I'm saying? That shit was hard, though. Well, it also had three meanings, Nas. It was the power of sex. That's the first one to hit you, mm-hmm. right? Then the second power is the power of weapons, which you see her got a shotgun. But the final power is the most devious one. It's the power of deception when you turn it around. When you turn the back, right. yeah. The There's back a power of deception, which is, it's not the person who you think is the problem. It's the person that's moving that person. And, you know, as rappers, they don't give us any credit for thinking. They think, oh, it's just a girl, da 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 Talk, but, talk. But my album covers, because I'm from the era where the album cover was almost, I used to read Parliament album covers while I was listening to Parliament. I'm sitting there reading the cover. We used to read the special thanks and, and yeah. who produced All the liner it. notes, yeah. It's so important. Right. I, I would never know what Chung King Studios was. Right. But Public Enemy was there. I need to be in there. I need that sound. So all that was very important. So I made my album covers have a, a meaning. And another thing is, that was my girl at the time. That's my son's mother, Darlene. We were never married, but that was my girl. See, Nas, I didn't know you could lie. I didn't know you could wear other people's jewelry. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> that's, a, that's an ill gem right there. Because everybody else has is... got somebody else's car on the cover yep. and some model. He's got... Rental clothes. It's really his life. Yeah. That was hard. Yeah, I got to rhyme. I said, I don't rhyme about... Cars I ain't got, girls I ain't caught, or guns I ain't shot. The game to me is too fucking deep. If I did, I honestly believe I'd die in my sleep. Mm. You know, I just like, that's not okay. Did you bring your own guns to the photo shoot? Those are your guns. Everything. The gats in my promo shots ain't props. You know, I mean, I'm saying it in the records, you know, like, where the fuck am I going to get a prop gun from? What you know, niggas that got prop guns. <laughs> Where are we gonna get prop money? That means you yeah, would have to tell not. the video people to bring fake guns mm-hmm. and bring fake money. That would be so embarrassing to me that I'm gonna shoot a video and ask you to bring fake money. Could you guys bring some guns for us? You know, right. like I didn't even know gangster rappers had stylists. I'm like, 
Right. Do you need a stylist to put on some khakis, my nigga? Like, really? <laughs> like, wow. you know, so... Your shit was sharp. <laughs> Jewelry game. It, it had to top be... Top tier. Everything was top tier. And Nas, I just, I just didn't know it was okay. I just didn't know. I, I thought you had to be authentic. I believed everything everyone was rapping about. When I saw Eric B and Rakim's, I knew that was their jury. Right. You know, right. another thing I always said about rap is the rappers I like, I wanted to meet and hang out with. It was something about them that made me like, I want to meet Nas. I would love to chill. Even today, there's a lot of hot artists. I don't want to hang out with them niggas. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's not like I would even feel comfortable around them. You Did know? you ever meet somebody and was disappointed? I met a lot of sideways ass niggas, yeah. you know, like, I, and I'm not going to mention no names, but I feel they'd probably be as uncomfortable in the room with me, you know? I don't know. Nas understands. It's a different energy. Mm -hmm. It's a different energy. Absolutely. And I'm comfortable more around street cats. I'm comfortable, you know, more around people that understand my life. You haven't changed. Real don't change. James Brown was James Brown till he died. George mm. Clinton will be George Clinton till he dies. Ozzy Osbourne will be Ozzy Osbourne till he. You can't change. You've never embraced the show business part of it, like the. I have. I got Cherry's commercial out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I embraced. I embrace humility. I embrace everything. But like I said, when I found out the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is what's selling. Then authenticity became my mark. That's it. That's all I got to do. It's be me. Ah, I'm in. You know, and it's just been easy. Even when you see me acting, you see an Ice T act as a cop. New Jack City, classic. Oh, it's just classic. Action. You know, so I really don't know what it would be like to have to be somebody or not. You know, I don't try to act tougher than I am. I don't try to. I don't. You're so L.A. And a New York classic. Oh, yeah. New York, and you were still L.A., but acceptable. You killed it. New Jack City scared the shit out of me, Nas, because I'm putting the album as original gangster that year. I copped that album. Was that a double album? It was supposed to be. It was 26 songs or 24. 20. It was more than would fit on a normal record. Great album. What scared you about it? Fucking doing, I got to play the police. Mm -hmm. and, and I got an album coming out called New Jack City. And no one had ever pulled off acting. The only rappers running them, it did Tougher Than Leather, where they played themselves. Right. This is the first rapper playing a character. Shit, I don't know. But then, you know, once again, my boys was like, I would ask my niggas, I'm like, yo, they want me to be the police. Word, you know, what you think? Niggas like, word? Can I be in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> You're That's like, all. I guess it's all right then. Everybody right. I asked, even people in jail, was like, man, if you don't take this opportunity, and that was another point in my life I learned a lesson, which is we come from a background with no opportunities. If you shit in the face of an opportunity, you are a sucker and stop complaining about anything. Mm. Right. So here's a, a door open to be in a movie, and you're going right. to say, no, why? Are you, what you been bitching about? Right. Here's an opportunity, right. you know? And, and a hell of a challenge to go yeah. into this role. Well, come and on. And you took that. Come on, I, yeah. Look. And killed it. And 23 years later, still, still doing it. I was scared to death, though, honestly. I didn't know if that was a suicide mission hmm. for my career. You know, because at that time, I was only a rapper. Right. I was only a rapper. You acted. You know what I'm saying. When you did the movie with DMX, you was like, is this career suicide? But you were great. You know, and as artists, you do take risks. 
But as I start taking the risk and the risk succeeded, I got more confident taking risks. Chuck D said, Ice is the only person he knows that does things that totally jeopardize his career to stay awake. So now <laughs> I'm just looking for shit to just try. You know, like I say, now I'll do a Cheerios commercial. Would I have done a Cheerios commercial back then when I was building my gangster image without, you know, rep? You know, but now I don't care because I'm whoever the fuck you think I am. I'm, I'm not shutting down no rumors. You got a rumor about me? Run with it. I ain't got time for it. Whatever. I don't care. But I'll never forget. I went to the movies, Nas. And I sat in the back behind some cats. And when I came on the screen, they look at Ice-T in that big-ass hat. What the fuck's up with that nigga? That nigga got dreads with. So they clowned at me. I was like, oh, shit. And so then, like, 10, 15 minutes, they were calling me Scotty. Yo, Scotty, man. I was like, I'm doing it. Right. I'm doing it. <laughs> and it was, it was a revelation. Like, you know? Well, you spent around at that drug deal. The way you spent around with the gun on him, I said, oh, he got the chops. <laughs> he, he got this. That was smooth. This is not what we do, but you're an artist, and you can do it. I yeah. mean, you know, we can do it. You just got to want to do it. If you don't want to do it, you're going to suck. You got to want to do it. got to commit. You know, one thing I really got to ask is because for a long time, you were really the symbol of the parental advisory sticker. On first the, record sticker. Yeah, everything that was like not allowed or dangerous. What do you think of cancel culture now? It's old. I mean, cancel culture has been around for years. You know what I'm saying? It's just more powerful because of the internet and social media. Social media amplifies everything at lightning speed. So it also amplifies beef. You know, it's a very, very toxic machine. Would you have been canceled many, many uh, they, times? They tried over. to. Yeah. They, 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 I mean, oh, the, president, to cancel the, pres him. the president came after me. I mean, how much more cancel culture can you get? The president of the United States. Ollie North wanted to try me for sedition, which is punishable by death. How about that for yeah. cancel? They want to kill right. a nigga, you know? But you got to push the line. I mean, the line is there to be pushed. And I felt I was pushing the right lines. I was mm -hmm. going against police brutality. You know, I wasn't pushing a negative line. It might have seemed negative, but I was just standing up for black people and people that were down. And as I started to gain power, see, that's why the next album was called Power, because I'm gaining power and I'm realizing that my words have power. When you're first rapping, you don't really think you got power. You just rapping. Then people say, damn, Nas, say this, speak on that. When you said that, that changed my life. You're like, oh, this shit's powerful. Right. This dawns on you. You don't wake up thinking you're powerful unless you're a narcissist, you know? So all these things started to happen, and I felt I had to say some things. And um, Cop Killer came out with Body Count and rocked the fucking world. And it was a protest record. But a lot of times right now, like, people protest, and they get mad when they get attacked. If you're going to stand up, you got to be ready for the hit. Don't stand up if you ain't ready for the hit. Right. When Colin hits his knee, don't get mad. They get mad. You knew that was going to happen. Right. So now handle it. Don't cry about it. People want to protest and then cry. Oh, I got fired. Well, right. that's what happens when mm. you stand up. You're right. going to take the hit. Right. You know, Art of War says before you go to war, you must consider the expense. So think about it. Expense. Could that song have come out now? Could someone have made that song if you hadn't done it? If it had never been made, yes. But 
they wouldn't probably make it the way I made it. Yeah. They would probably make a dumb record, say, go kill cops, which I didn't. I made up a fake character who was triggered by police brutality and went after him, which could happen. So they came at me because they said I was that character, but I'm not. It was somebody. And then once again, they don't want to give us credit for being artistic. It's, it's, right. it's oh, no, that was you. Right. record wasn't called Let's Go Cop Killing. Right. And um, I still perform that song. We close body count shows with Cop Killer. So these, these big records are they're kind of like your imprint on the culture. This is what you did. You know, I'm glad I did it. I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot from being attempted to be canceled. Yeah. People like yourself, Public Enemy, Ice Cube, you guys stood up as men. And um, that's something that I'll never forget. That's something that just shows you the times that we're in. Kind of like we losing ourselves in the street these days. We lost ourselves in so many ways. And there's not enough being honest, being a man, standing up against injustice in an artistic way, through your artistic expression. It's like people are scared and having fun, making a lot of money. I want everybody to make a lot of money, but I want them also to kind of like give me what I saw with you. I saw you. I saw public enemy. And that is what, to me, being a man is and being a a hip-hop artist is. You know, it's not all about freedom fighting 24-7. Rap music is about more than that. But, you know, for you to do that and go from what you were normally doing into what we never saw before, which a rock band, Mm -hmm. body count, and still be cool and still impact and still kill them on stage. You know, meeting you, you were true to who I thought you would be. You know what I'm saying? You were exactly what I thought you would be. Like, I remember in L.A. years ago going into your office, and it was crazy. His office was, like, black. (laughs) What? (laughs) It was black, man. And it was levels. You go into one area, you wait there, and then I walked by the biggest book I ever saw to this day, and I think it was called Pimpology. The Pimptionary. The Pimptionary. <laughs> this is like 20 years ago, something like this. Yeah. The Pimptionary. And I, you know, he, he made some time for me to sit and talk, and he said, yeah, how you doing, man? I know you was on this street the other day, and you was doing this earlier. <laughs> what? Well, he, he said, yo, man, this is L.A. You know what Nothing I'm goes down without yeah. him knowing. Well, things go down without me knowing, but Nas is a big star. And, you know, because I'm a rapper and I'm in the world, they would say, yo, Nas is over here. You know, you hit the call. Kind of like if I'm in Queensbridge, they're like, yo, Nas, Ice is over here. You know, so it wasn't negative. It was just you've been spotted out here, you know. So I didn't expect him to pop up in my office. You know, (laughs) he did that on his own. But it was an honor and... Basically, he said, yo, man, I came for some game, man. What's happening? <laughs> Straight up. That's what he said. Straight he up. said, I just want some game, you know. And um, I look at rappers like basketball players. Like, everyone's on the court. And every player knows who can play. And everyone knows certain people's strength. Oh, he got a three-pointer. Oh, that one will slam on you. Oh, he got handles. Everybody knows. But they're all playing the same game. And we respect each other. Carry yourself with the dignity. It's really, like you say, it's about our character. And some motherfuckers are so hungry for money that that goes by the wayside. They don't have a character. You can see it. Mm-hmm. you like, you just a thirsty nigga, you know. And I tend to shy away from those individuals. You know what I'm saying? Because 
I came up a certain way, you know, the code and all these different things. These is really dear to me because I got people in prison. I got fallen soldiers. Like, I can't change that up. You know what I'm saying? Right. And if it's not in you, it's not put into you, you're not going to learn it. You can't get it off the Internet. You know, what is the code? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't. It's just it's not part of you. But I think there's something really significant about the fact that at this point, you guys came in the game at different ages, different times, totally different generations even. Mm -hmm. But as time moves forward, the people who are staying in that game, it's narrowing and narrowing, but you have something that you share, you know, this history, and you're able to talk about that in such a like a... It's a love for hip yeah. hop. See, hip hop saved my life. I'm quite sure it saved Nas's life. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Without hip hop, what the hell would have happened for us? You know, we, all we're surrounded with is negativity. Those options are open too, but we pick music and it saved us because we know the results of, of the people that didn't say. So we protect it and it's, it's dear to us. So people that are playing with it, we have a distaste for that. Yeah. And as far as people saying, oh, well, the new rap, I mean, I always say, all I want y'all to do is rap. That's it. Just rap. I mean, am I, am I asking too much to ask you to rhyme the goddamn worms together? Like, am I being too old school for that? But I think bars are coming back. Yeah. There was a phase when it got a little ringtone -y. It got a little, you know, not my style. But now I'm hearing some young spitters. Right. And I'm really impressed. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Future is bright. Yeah. T, tell me about a, one of them tours, man. I look at the tours in the 80s as probably the craziest tours. Great tours that go on today. You know what I'm saying? I've been on some dope tours. But the 80s tours, I couldn't get in them. To some, I couldn't get in. So which tour did you like? The best tour for me was my first tour, which was the Dope Jam tour. And that was myself, Biz Marquis, KRS-One, Kumo D., Dougie Fresh and Eric B. Wow, and Rockham. what a lineup. Now, I was the only West Coast artist, and at that time, New York wasn't really totally respecting the West, even though I had got gold records already. I, I was hot off colors. My record was gold. i never forget the first city we hit, it was Texas. We did 100 shows. 100 shows. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And um, I came out, I had a police car on stage. I had a police car, like a thing, and I would stand on the top of the police car. I had a wireless mic. I was doing all kinds of shit. I was throwing money. It was like I had a big-ass cellular phone, a big brick phone. And uh, that tour, we came on stage off Colors. Oh, wow. Yeah, like when you're doing rap shows, you got to hit them in the face right out the right. gate. You right. got to come out, bow. Then, Because right. they're can... on the high from the person. Who are you following? Who did you have to follow? I was opening. Oh, wow. Okay. I was opening. So the crowd was there. They was ready. It was already packed. And uh, we hit the stage and we had our sirens and our police lights and shit. But the whole crowd went crazy because what you got to understand is if you're not from New York, if you're from Texas, I don't give a fuck if you're from L.A. or New York. They don't care. It's neutral. You're in neutral land out there. Man, when I hit that place went crazy and New York rappers was like, oh, this nigga's hot. You know, this motherfucker's hot. And, and slowly I gained respect from everybody on that tour. But every night to watch Rakim, 
was amazing because that's one of my favorite rappers of all time. And just to watch Rock him, he had lasers, he had a big pyramid, he had like this crazy chair that turned around, and he was sitting in the throne. And, <laughs> wow, you know, wow. I remember he had this one part of the show I would always wait for. He had this laser shit in the front of him. And when he would say the stage is the cage, the mic is the third rail, and the lasers would hit the shit, the shit would go like, I was like, yo, this shit is hard as a mother. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I didn't have no lasers. I didn't have none of that. I had, I had a couple strobe lights and stuff, but that was my favorite tour. Then most of my other tours were with Public Enemy. Wow. And we toured the world many, many times. And one thing you said about Public Enemy, Public Enemy made me conscious. Like, you say your gangster shit, but you got to say something. Because Griff and everybody, they were so powerful. People inspire people. So it made you say, I need to be talking about something. Right. You know? So they really injected me with a lot of the Ice-T political stances. Because Chuck's rhyme, I don't rhyme for the sake of riddling, right. changed my life. Right. You know, just that theory. I don't, I'm not just saying motherfucking words. Right. And I was like, I, I, I don't, I, that was it. Damn. We got ice here, man. I know. Well, we really appreciate you coming by and Yeah, life is flying, dog. Yeah. yeah. Life is flying. Hip hop has gray hair, man. You know? <laughs> you don't age though. Wow. Well, see, Tretch told <laughs> me Tretch told me hip hop is the fountain of youth. Mm. And if you were involved with hip hop, our generation, it's you're locked into that for life. We think we can still break dance. It was such a, a movement that all of us are trapped in that time period forever it's beautiful we cooler than any kid our cool is a whole nother kind of cool and that's the beauty of it so it's always a treat when players meet you know what always, I'm saying? Man. it's always a treat <laughs> <laughs> that always, is the best always. ending i could even think of <laughs> it's always a treat and players have met yeah and a little play at right here <laughs> On the next episode of The Bridge, 50 Years of Hip Hop, we talk to DJ Khaled. You know, I got a rule in my circle and my team, we do not allow any pillow huggers. You know what I'm saying? What does that mean? You know, people that hug their pillow all day and put slob over the pillow, and then when they wake <laughs> up, they still look like they got the pillow all over their face, and they inflict wounds on their face because they've been hugging their pillow. They not hustling. From Spotify, the executive producers are Gina Delvec and Jason Rodriguez, with additional production support from Leslie Guam and Andrea Salenzi. And special thanks to Courtney Holt, Jessica Dow, and everyone at Spotify who helped the bridge come to life. From Mass Appeal, the executive producers are myself, Nas, Peter Bittenbender, Jenya Meggs. Lead producer is Medina Pawana, and associate producer is Serge Jabrija. Our writer is Gabe Alvarez. Samara Langa and Cliff Cristofaro are our editors. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. 
Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.